Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Awesome, man. Well, tonight I want to continue a sermon series. How many of you guys were here last week? All right, so... Not enough of you guys. This is, this is funny, the way our church works, guys. Seriously, I feel like that if we all came on the same Sunday, there would be no space. It's weird how God kind of handpicks people to be here each Sunday. Um, I think that's part of the family thing. But I want you to go back this week and listen to the podcast of last week. Okay, I really, really want you to do that. And here's why. Because last week I laid a foundation for this series, and this series is called Hashtag Blessed. How many of you guys have seen that on Instagram? Hashtag Blessed, right? You see that all the time. You know, people, people got a new car, Hashtag Blessed. You know, if you follow me, I post a picture of my wife, Hashtag Blessed, right? You know, it's a good move. If you're married, you should try that. It helps. So, you know, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different definitions of what it means to be blessed. And so what we're exploring throughout this series is what heaven says is to be blessed, in particularly to be financially blessed. I think there's a lot of confusion around finances in the church. And I don't know if you guys have realized this or not, but the devil loves to surround issues of breakthrough with confusion. Because the devil doesn't want you to get any slice of God's truth as it pertains to money. You guys with me on this? Because if the enemy has it his way, he wants to keep you broke, keep you in debt, and keep you enslaved to worrying and letting money dictate your schedule and your life. That is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to dominate you with this idea that there's never going to be enough money for you in your life. And so what I want to do is I just want to hit this from a biblical perspective, and I want to talk about money, and I want to talk about being financially blessed, because I believe with all my heart, God wants you to be blessed. Will you say amen to that? Even if you don't believe that in your head yet, just say it with your spirit. Just say amen. I believe it. I really do. Last week I said that, and it was interesting, kind of the vibe in the room where I could tell people are like, I don't know if that's true or not. And I really do think that the truth of God is that he wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you, not just so that you can have a bunch of stuff, right, but so that you can impact this world with the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ through your financial gifts, by blessing people, helping the poor, blessing ministries, blessing the local church, and changing the world as a result of giving what God gives through you. Amen? Okay, so we're on the same page. So I want you to pray for me right now because I have two messages that I'm going to try to pack into one sermon. And uh, if you know me very well, you're like, oh, no, we're going to be here all night I'm just kidding. I'm just playing, guys. Um, But I do have a lot of stuff that I want to share in my study this week. I really felt compelled to share as much of it as possible. If we get through half, no big deal. If we get through all of it, great. But I really just want to build on the foundation that we talked about last week. We talked about first fruits, all right? Tithing. We talked about tithing. Like I said, I know there's a lot of confusion 
that, you know, encamps around that subject, the subject of tithing. But I hope that we all came to a new revelation from the Bible of what God has to say about tithing. So if you were here last week and that blessed you, just say amen, please. Good, awesome, amazing. Uh, there was quite a few people here that decided they would, they would take the challenge. In Malachi chapter 4, uh, God said, test me in this and see if I won't pour out, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that overflows upon you and in our tithes and our offerings. And a ton of people said, hey, that's me. I'm going to take that challenge for the next 92 days throughout the entirety of the summer. I'm going to give God my first fruits. I'm going to tithe and I'm going to test the Lord in this and just see what's going to happen. So if you were a part of that group, I've been praying for you all week. If you weren't a part of that group and you want to jump in on that group, good news. You're here tonight and the group's still open. It's not an exclusive group. It's an open invite. So I want to, I want to first begin by reading a passage from Luke chapter 9. If you have your Bibles or your iPhone app, just go ahead and open it up because um, I'm going to start by reading from Luke 9, 12 through 17. And then we're going to pray. If If... You know, this is not, if you don't have a Bible, you can borrow your neighbors. But this is a very common passage, all right? This is a very famous story. You, all, you, you guys are all going to know it, okay? It's about when Jesus fed the 5,000. Have you read this before? Yeah. Awesome, okay. So we'll start with verse 12. It says, Now the day was ending, and the 12 came to him and said to him, Send the crowd away, that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here we are in a desolate place. Now that's, so it's an interesting setup. You know, Jesus has been preaching all day. There's 5,000 men that are listening to him, which means there's probably more like 20,000 people because they only counted the men. They didn't talk about the women and the children. So there's a lot of people here. And he says, send them into the surrounding villages so they can find something to eat. And he said to them, you give them something to eat. That's important. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Somebody said a long John Silver's kid's meal. <laughs> unless, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all of these people. For there, there was about 5,000 men. And he said, to, he said to his disciples, have them sit down to eat in groups of 50 each. Now, how many of you guys know this was the first miracle? You have 20,000 people and 12 dudes that get them to all sit down in groups of 50. Impressive, right? They did so. All the administrators in here should have just said amen. Because I think there's something about admin that gives way to financial blessing. You get your books in order. Am I talking to anybody in here? You know, some people trying to, you know, ask, God, if you just bless me, I hadn't looked at their checkbook for two years. Or mint.com. Or, you know, your, your bank statement or whatever. That's the first point. Already, here we go. They did so and had them all sit down. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and kept giving them to disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied and the broken pieces which they had left over were picked up 12 baskets in full. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word and we ask you to transform us with it. We know that you are truth, capital T, and your word will last forever. Not a single word will fall to the ground. Not a single word will come back to you void. And so we ask you right now for your truth to impact our lives and transform us so that we could look more like Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would bless and anoint me tonight as I share your word to bless your people in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So what I want to talk to you guys tonight is um, from the subject, multiplication 
over mammon. Okay? Multiplication over mammon. That's the title of the message. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. And in this passage where we see Jesus breaking this bread, right? He blesses this bread. He breaks it. He hands it to the disciples. And then the disciples go out and they start distributing it, right? They, they, they go out to these groups of 50. And as they distribute it, the, the bread, the food, begins to multiply in their hands. And they start to give more people food. And by the end of the day, we see that not only was everybody fed in full, but there were actually 12 baskets left over for people to take home afterwards. It's pretty miraculous, right? But we can't miss the fact that the miracle in this story really didn't happen in the master's hands, but it happened in the disciples' hands. And the reason I bring that up is because before something can multiply, it first has to be blessed. You guys with me on this? Meaning it has to be given to the Lord first. Everybody say first. First. And that's why when we talked about first fruits last week or tithing, giving of our first, giving of our first fruits to God, whenever we do that, the rest of our money is blessed. People who were here last week, just say amen because you remember this. Well, in Romans chapter 11, verse 16, it says, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy. I love that the Bible calls it dough. Because they're actually talking about dough, but it just fits. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Meaning when we give our first fruits offering, when we give our tithe, what that does is we put that in the hands of the Lord and the rest of our money is blessed. You guys with me so far? So as we do that, what happens is when we tithe, it actually sets us up to have a multiplicative blessing take place in our money. A multiplying anointing happen, happening to our money. Now, I know most Christians are like, man, I've never seen my money multiply. I've never seen finan you know, financial breakthrough. And I think that the reason is because a lot of us as Christians have money in our pockets that has not been blessed. It's gonna, it might get heavy for a little bit, but I'm going try to try to pull this out by the end, okay? So often the reason... Um, is that the money hasn't been blessed. When you give to the Lord first and the Lord puts his blessing on it, then and only then does our money have the power to multiply. All right? Jesus, he's the one who receives our tithes, right? So Jesus, the one who receives our tithes, is the only one who has the power to bless it so that it can multiply. And if you're taking notes, this is the first principle of multiplication. Now, the second principle of multiplication is this. Only what is given away can multiply. We're, we're just diving in deep right from the get-go. Only what is given away can multiply. Notice that the miracle didn't happen in the master's hands as it was blessed. The miracle actually happened in the disciples' hands as they started giving it away. The more they gave away, the more money that just seemed to show up, the more food, the more bread, the more fish, right? The more, the more often that they stepped out and were generous and started to bless people, what happened? It multiplied, right? That's the second principle to the anointing of multiplication in our, on our money. When our money has been blessed, it then has the power to multiply, but it can't multiply until we start giving it away. All right? So listen, guys, I'm not, I, we're not taking an offering after this, okay? So don't get scared. I'm not trying to control or manipulate you or anything. I'm not even trying to get you to give more to the church. What I'm trying to get you to do is be blessed more 
by God, okay? And the way blessing happens is the result of us being obedient to God concerning what he's commanded us to do with our finances. Jesus didn't shrink back when it was time to preach about money. In 16 of his 38 parables, he spoke about money or possessions. Over 500 times in the Bible, the word talks about prayer. Over 500 times in the Bible, the word talks about faith. Over 2,000 times in the Bible, the word talks about money and possessions. I think that it's super important to God how we manage our money. See you guys with me. It's super important. And guys, there's a difference between tithing and giving. There's only about 2% of the American church right now that tithes. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't see uh, more Christians having supernatural blessing fall on their wealth and, and, and seeing our churches prosper, seeing the poor uh, fed, nobody hungry among them. There were no poor among them, it said about the Book of Acts church. And I believe that it's God's heart to see that happen in 2016 right here in East Nashville, that there would be no poor among us. But if that's going to happen and we're going to give away money so that no poor can be here, we're going to have to first be obedient with the money that we've received according to God's word. Amen? So there's a difference between tithing and giving. Tithing is returning. Everybody say tithing is returning. Tithing is returning to God what is already his. How many of you guys know that you cannot give away something that doesn't belong to you? Amen? I can't give you my car if I don't own it. All right, there is over 16 times in the Bible that God says the firstborn belongs to me. That means the first fruits. That means the first, the first of our increase, the first of our produce belongs to God. Over 16 times he says that in the Bible. And that's why we return it back to him as, a, as tithe. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. So there's a difference between tithing and giving. When you tithe, returning to God what is his, your money is blessed. And then when you begin to give above your tithe what the Bible calls offerings, you will experience multiplication. Faithful stewardship, biblical stewardship, actually looks like giving above the tithe. Now, I, I know I'm challenging you guys pretty big by saying that. But just this week, I've heard so many stories because I've been looking for tithe and offering testimonies. And I heard about a man that when he began to get the revelation of tithe and offering, that he and his wife collectively were earning $7,200 annual income. How many of you guys know that's not very much money, right? You can't really do anything on that. And as he began to get this revelation and began to give his first fruits to the Lord, he also began to get the understanding of the multiplicative anointing that comes on our money when we start to give above that. And so he began to pray into and look for opportunities to bless people with money. He ended up giving some of his vehicles away. And uh, in just a matter of three years, the Lord increased his income so much so that he was making over $100,000. But get this, he was only living off of 20% of his income because he was giving the rest away. You guys, God wants to give to you, but his interest is, can he give through you? You know, God is looking. I believe it. Like it says in Jeremiah, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro the earth for a heart that's completely his. How many of you guys know that includes finances? Well, God wants to bless people with money because he knows that, hey, I want to distribute my kingdom in the realm of finance and business. But I'm not going to do that with, through people who are stingy. He'll give it to you if he can get it through you. I feel like we could just dismiss. I feel like it's enough. I feel like it's enough for the week. 
Seriously, I really do. And, you know, I want you to know, it's not my heart to offend you, um, but, you know, I'm just going to let the Bible speak for itself. So we're going to go Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Everybody say this with me. You cannot cannot serve God God and and mammon. mammon. Yeah. That's what Jesus says. The words of Jesus. He says you cannot serve God. Some translations say money. But the Greek there is the word mammona, which in in, in a lot of translations they leave it as mammon. But it's really important that we distinguish the difference between mammon and money. But when Jesus begins to give this sermon, notice that there's absolutely no gray area here. There's no middle ground that Jesus leaves. He says that it is absolutely impossible to serve him while serving money. That's, that's the words of Jesus. That's what he said. So uh, in the King James Version, it says you cannot serve God and mammon. But what is ma- mammon, right? We, we, we read that. We see that in the Bible. What is mammon? I want you to know that money and mammon are not synonymous, Okay? Mammon is actually an Aramaic term, and it means this, riches. But it means more than that. It means the treasure that a person puts his trust in. Okay, it's closely related to the Hebrew word to trust. So what that means is, is that mammon is riches, possessions, or property that I put my trust in. So God says you can't serve that if you're going to serve me. You guys with me? He said, I want all of your trust, 100% of it. I don't want you to give me 80% of it or give me, you know, Sunday's percent of it. I want 100% of your trust. I don't want you to fall back and put your trust in money or property or any other possessions. What mammon does, though, this, this, this spirit of mammon, it tells us that we don't need God. It whispers in our ear and says, what you need is more money. So, I'm going to make this statement, and um, it may seem a little shaking, but money is anointed. Here's why I say that. Because money has a spirit on it. That spirit is either the spirit of mammon or it's the spirit of God. Money that has been submitted to God has the spirit of God on it. But money that, is devoted to, money that is devoted to God rather than trying to replace God is anointed. Let me say that again. Money that has been submitted to God has the Spirit of God on it. Money that is devoted to God rather than trying to replace God is anointed. On the contrary, money that has not been submitted to God has the Spirit of Mammon on it. You guys realize that an idol in your life is anything that you have to check with before you say yes to God. So if God has called you to do something and you look at your bank statement and say, nope, can't do it. That's a, that's a moment that we're being influenced by mammon, not God. You guys with me? Okay, we're, we're gonna go. So mammon promises us things that only God can give. Here's what mammon promises us. Security, significance, identity, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from all of life's problems. Mammon says that money is the answer to every situation. The very nature of the spirit of mammon is that it wants to dominate, that it wants to rule your life. Mammon says buy and sell. God says sow and reap. Mammon says cheat and steal. 
God says, give and receive. Mammon is a spirit, and just like any other spirit, it can manifest. How mammon manifests is greed, covetedness, and selfishness. That's how it manifests. But hold up, mammon can get religious as well. Mammon says this, you know, if I just had more money, I'd really start helping people. If I, you know, if I just had some more money, that's when I'm going to start helping people. You know, Jesus never told anyone throughout the entirety of the Gospels that the answer to their problem was more money. Holy Ghost, come on, help me. <laughs> money is not and will never be the answer to your problem. God is. Jesus is the answer, period, final answer. But here's what mammon does. It says, it gets religious. It says, you know, you really need God to work a miracle for you right now. Or you could just, you know, you need more money. Lies. We don't need more money. We need more God. We need Jesus. Right? That's got to be the bullseye. That's got to be the target. That's got to be where we go first. God can help us without money. (laughs) Just just let it settle in. God can help us without money. All right? When we start to believe that our problems would be solved if we just had more money, we're being influenced by the spirit of mammon. See, mammon wants the throne. It doesn't want to share that with God. It wants to rule and reign in your life. This would be all be fixed. You just had a little more money. Work a little bit harder. Just a little bit more money. Oh, they, they need you on Sundays? Yeah, it's okay. They'll understand. You guys with me? I'll tell, I'm going to get in your business tonight. What mammon is is money worship. That's what it is. Mammon is the worship of money. Now, on the other hand, money itself is not inherently evil. One of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible is 1 Timothy 6 and 10. Let me read it to you real quick. It says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Notice that the Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. How many of you guys have heard that before? So, well, you know money's the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. That's not actually scripture. That's somebody making something up. And in my opinion, it's an an influence of a spirit of mammon itself. It's an influence of a spirit of poverty. Oh, well, you know, money's the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the worship of money is a root of many kinds of evils. Do you guys get that? So let me read another passage of Scripture. I'm going to read a lot of passages. I'm sorry for doing that to you. But I told you I have two messages in one night. So I'm doing my best to stick to the notes and get it out. So, Luke chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Hurry up. Pull it, put it up in your apps. Get it in your, get, pull it up in your Bible or whatever, because we're going to read this. I'm going to read it out loud, but Luke 6, 9 through 13. Now, this, I, guys, I meditated on this this week. Let me tell you, it threw me for a loop, all right? So just get ready. It's going to be a pff, mind blown, okay? Because Jesus says some crazy stuff. Seriously, he said some crazy stuff in this passage. It says, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. Hold up, wait. This is red letters in the Bible. So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. 
So how, how, many, how many is confused already? Right? I'm, it's crazy, right? So he says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Everybody say true riches. Come on, get with me. Everybody say true riches. Yeah. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That's an interesting statement. No servant can serve two masters. Here it is again. shows up twice. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus starts this, this portion of his message by saying, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon. Why? It says this, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is teaching us how to take mammon or money that has not been submitted to God and use it to invest into eternity. See, we got we to get this. We got to dive in, really examine it as to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm, I want you to take money that you earn, right? I want you to take the money of the world, the wealth of the world, and I want to teach you how to invest it in eternity. Now, what is eternal? The human soul. People are eternal. So what Jesus is saying is, use the wealth of this world to win souls so that when you die, they'll receive you into heaven. You notice Jesus didn't say that when you die, money is going to welcome you into heaven. He said that people are going to welcome you into heaven. There's going to be people shaking your hand on your welcome committee when you walk in that you've never even met before, you know, that live in another country that are there as a result of an offering that you sowed. See, we give. We give to missionaries. We give to, we give to ministries. We give to churches. We give to ministers, pastors, preachers. We give to people. We're generous, right? We give to the poor. As a result of our offerings that we're giving, we are investing into eternity. See, it's not just about being a nice person, not just about, well, you know, I guess I, I, guess I can deal with, you know, giving five bucks to that guy. But Jesus is actually saying, use the wealth of this world, take it, this temporal wealth, and invest it into my eternal kingdom. You guys with me? I, that seems crazy, right? But when we take money and use it to bring people to Jesus, they will welcome us into heaven when we die. Jesus says, clearly, that he can transform unrighteous mammon into true riches. What does God care more about than people? People are God's true riches. Just as Jesus turned water into wine, he can turn money into souls. I know I'm messing with you a little bit, but it's intentional. Jesus can take unrighteous mammon and transform it into true righteous riches, which is the souls that he died for. When we give generously, we're communicating to Jesus that what he did on the cross was worth it. We're saying, you're worth this. Right? We scream, we shout, we sing. You are worthy. Worthy of what? What is he worthy of in your own life? Is he worthy of your time on Sunday? 
is, I, I know that he is because you're here, but is he worthy of your money? Is he worthy of other time? You guys with me? Yeah. All right. So let's read another scripture. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. This is, um, this is just down a few verses. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. When we use money for righteous purposes, what we're doing is we're laying up treasure in heaven. And that is why the enemy works so hard to confuse us about money. The devil knows that God can take temporal money and turn it into eternal souls. The devil does not want you to be generous because he knows that whenever you are generous, hell is being plundered by your offerings. Hell is being plundered by our offerings, and Satan knows it. The devil hates spirit-led giving because it simultaneously diminishes his kingdom, and it makes us more like our heavenly Father. (laughs) Just look at your neighbor saying, Hell is being plundered by our offerings. (laughs) Guys, the devil does not want you free financially. The devil does not want you to give because he knows that you giving and tithing offering has eternal implications. Man, I'm excited. I'm going to listen to this podcast myself. (laughs) Look, I know that, you know, I'm talking about giving. I'm talking about multiplication. I'm talking about giving above the tithe, right? That seems radical, right? How many of you guys want to be radical Christians? Per- personally, I do. Personally, I want to be above and beyond obedient. You know, uh, from the time I was a young person, um, you know, I've, I've always been taught to tithe the principle of tithing, not as a law, but as a principle. Um, you know, and so for me, it's just always been something that I did. But when I got saved, really saved, when I was 21, man, I just said, well, you know, God asked for 10%. I'm just going to give 20. You know, that was just the thing I did, you know. And I've seen money multiply in my life. I've never, I've never um, said yes to God and money not followed. Right, there will always be enough resource on the other side of your obedience. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Okay, <laughs> just, just remember that, okay? Um, but seriously, you guys, um, you know, I heard a preacher say that one time. I always wanted to use it. just seemed like the appropriate time to slip it in. So, uh, hallelujah, anyhow. So, um, so one, of my, one of my friends, Ashley, is here. She, she was in my harvest school, uh, 2008, 2009. 2009. And, uh, you know, harvest school is expensive. My brother, he wanted to go with me, and he didn't have any money at the time. He was younger. And so for the two of us to go, plane tickets included, school tuition, food, everything on the ground cost, it was like over $8,000 for us to go. And uh, that's, that's a lot of money, right? 8000 bucks. And, um, you know, I worked for the church as a youth pastor. I really didn't have a lot of money. I had $300 in my bank account, and I needed $8,000. And I'd always tithe you know, I'd, I'd practice spirit-led giving as much as I possibly could. Uh, but I was like six weeks out of leaving to go to Africa, and I hadn't purchased anything, hadn't paid my tuition or anything. And I had $300 in my checking account, and God told me, take 100% of everything that's in your checking account, and during the worship service, just come up and put it on the altar. Don't even wait for the, for the bucket to go past. Just come up and put it on the offering altar. 
So I came up, and during the worship, I took the $300 out, and, you know, I put it, put it right there on the side of the, of the altar. You guys, in two weeks, I had so much money that I was able not only to pay for my stuff, but I paid for my brother's stuff, too. I mean, that's, right? That's pretty wild. One, I'll tell you guys another quick story. One time, this is a guy. It was a guy from Africa. He's a bishop from Kenya, and uh, and I was preaching, and he came up, and he was very excited about my message. He said, "It's a dynamic word, man of God, and I want to sow into your to your life." And I thought, man, this is amazing. You know, I really didn't expect somebody to just like sow an offering, but uh, he he said, you know, it's what I got, and so he handed it to me, and it was a dollar, right? And uh, how many of you guys know that that was more profound? than had it been a thousand, right? And and so I took this dollar, I said, this is a holy, this is a holy dollar. You know what I mean? Like this guy, he it, it cost him something. And there's something to be said about that. You know, if you want to sow a seed, it should hurt a little bit. And that's another sermon. David said, Hey, I'm not gonna offer up to the Lord that which cost me nothing. I'm gonna be serious about my faith, my, my, my life with Jesus. So I took this dollar and I tithed on it. it just a dime, right? Not a big deal. But, uh, you know, I tithed on it. And then I said, God, you know, I got this other 90%. I got the 90 cents. What am I going to do with it? It just doesn't seem like a lot of money. You know, 90 cents. And God said, sow it. Don't eat the seed. Sow the seed. You know, I could have bought an ice cream cone or something, you know. I don't know, Dairy Queen. And I just gave it to somebody. And, I, and here's what I did when I gave it. I prayed as I gave. It wasn't something I did flippantly. I, I truly sowed. I said, God, I'm trusting you're going to take this 90 cents and you can do something awesome with it. So whenever you, whenever you multiply it, like, will you remind me? If I have money coming into my life and I don't recognize that it's you, will you remind me that it was as a result of this 90 cents? And, um, and, and the very next day, somebody, it was, like a, it was like a kid or something from the Sunday school class. They walked up and they said, hey, uh, Pastor Lyle, I was going to give you five bucks. And the Lord said, there's a seed coming back. So I had five bucks, right? I took this five bucks, and I immediately started looking for somebody to give it to. Because I said, if God would do that with 90 cents, what did he do with five bucks? So I went and found somebody. Was somebody in the church. I knew they didn't, you know, I knew they were struggling. I said, hey, look, listen, I know this is not a lot of money, and it's, but it's an act of faith. And I'm just going to sow five bucks into your life. I know it, and it may seem a little strange, but here's five bucks. And they said, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Within the hour, somebody had given me a $10 bill. I'm serious. I'm serious. I don't know why. It was, it was the craziest thing. And I thought, oh, my God, God's on this, right? He's starting to multiply this money. And I, it started with a dollar, but now I got 10. It's a tenfold blessing right here. I said, you know what, Lord? I want to see a hundredfold blessing. You know, the Bible talks about tenfold blessing, talks about hundredfold blessing. I went and sowed that $10 into somebody. Within the week, somebody gave me, I remember they gave me a handful of money. It was over $120 in it. And the Lord said, this is the result of the 90 cent seed. So I, I remember I had $122. I don't know why I remember that, but I remember that. And I, I said, I ain't, I'm not eating any of it. I'm tithing on it. And I'm not eating any of the seed. You know, what would God do if I just took what started with a dollar, but I just kept giving 100% away? What would he do with it, you know? And so uh, I, I, I found somebody. It was a guy, another guy went to our church. I knew he was struggling. He, he had a, I remember he had a car and needed it fixed. And I said, hey, man, look, I just want to sell this into your life. 122 bucks, gave it to him. I left the next week for Dallas. 
and um, and I was in a service with somebody, and um, it's big big church, big conference, probably probably three four thousand people there, and a pastor that I'd met earlier in the week, he walked up to me, he said, "Hey man, listen," he leaned over, he said, "Look, um, my wife and I, we had a yard sale yesterday, and I just feel like I was supposed to give this to you." He go like fourteen hundred dollars in an envelope, and the Lord said, "As a result, that dollar." Okay, <laughs> listen, guys, like what we are willing to give away, God will multiply, yeah. right? We give to God our first fruits yes. and keep sowing it. And I, I remember at that time, I, I just sowed it into our nonprofit. I was like, I'm just going to give it to Mercy 29. And uh, I wish I would have kept the experiment up. Who knows what would have happened, right? Because I'm reading these stories. I'm reading these testimonies. And, and um, I read the story about this one guy in, eight, in, in, in three years. He had, he had given away 18 vehicles. Wow. <laughs> I, that's pretty, I, I would like to do that. Anybody else in here, would you have fun? Yes. God said it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? How many of you guys have experienced the joy of giving? Yes. Isn't that so much fun? It's so much better, like when you bless somebody else and you see their face light up because it's like, oh man, I really wanted that. Yeah, I, I heard this story this week. I'm going to tell, tell a couple of stories, and I'll move on. I, am I preaching too long? You guys okay? You want your finances to be blessed, amen? Amen, me too. And um, so, you know, this guy, he, he gets this revelation of giving and everything, and, and so he, he gives, he has 18 cars he gives away, right? Well, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to give, I want you to give your car away. He, he had two cars, actually. I want you to give both your cars away. And, uh, and then I want you to go to your bank. I want you to take out all the money. I want you to give it away 100%. I want you to give it away. And then I want you to give your house away. I, w- I want you to literally give your house away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is pretty wild, right? I know. I don't know if somebody won our mortgage payment. But, uh, right? Maybe it's paid off. Um, so he, he gives away his two cars. He empties out his bank account, gives away his bank account, and then he's sitting in his house, and uh, he was waiting on God to speak to him who to give it to. He said, I'd already made up in my mind. We'd already prayed about it. My wife and I had talked about it. We were giving away our house. And so I was sitting in my study, and um, I would give away the house later on that week, and I was sitting there, and I was praying after church on Sunday, and I said to myself, you know, everybody always says you can't outgive God, but I got you this time, Lord. And he said, as soon as I got that thought through my head, the phone rang. And when I picked up the phone, he's a, he says, a guy, I knew the guy, and, uh, and, he, he's, and it's a guy's a pastor. And he said, hey, he said, uh, God's been speaking to me about you, and he, want, he wanted me to call you today and, and speak to you about your transportation. And he said, oh, I, this guy's going to give me a car. I know it. You know, I've given away 18 in, in just a couple years. This guy's going to give me a car. And... Uh, and, but God, I still got you because I gave away two. And the guy says, listen, he said, God's been speaking to me about your transportation. I want to give you an airplane. <laughs> Seriously, this is a true story. He said, I'm going to give you an airplane. He said, also, I'm, I've already compensated a pilot. They're on call 24-7. I'm paying for the hangar fees and for the jet fuel. So whenever you want to go anywhere, all you got to do is call this guy. This is his number, and he'll take you right where you need to go. That's wild, right? That's crazy. What I'm saying is I think God really does want to give it to us if, we're, if he can give it through us. 
I really do believe that. I, I t- my wife and I, we've been talking, we've been diving into this subject. We've been talking about it. We, you know, we've, we've always been people who tithe and we haven't always done it like super regularly. But as I started studying the first fruits, man, I don't want, I don't want a single cent to be spent before I get the first fruits out, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, we feel challenged and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys and just be real because I want you to hold me accountable to it. You know, we're, we're talking about giving away 20% of our income, not because we're great, but because we're like being challenged by this word. We're like, man, if God says test us in this, man, we're going to do it. We're, we want to sow into eternity. We want to sow into the kingdom. We want to see souls come into the kingdom. And I want people shaking my hand and celebrating with me when we die and get there because they're like, hey, remember that 10 bucks you gave to a missionary one time? Okay. So... <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit more about this. Are you guys still good? Okay. So I realize that some people say, oh, man, that sounds great, Lyle. But here's the deal, man. I don't have any money. I would really love some more of that unrighteous mammon. And if I had some, I'd really do something good with it. Jesus says you wouldn't. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Jesus clearly says that we must be faithful with little before we're going to be trusted with much. If we only have a little bit of money, then you're a perfect candidate for blessing. Because if you'll be faithful with what you have, then God promises you that he's going to give you more. God is looking for people that he can entrust with much. I'll go back read a little bit more. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, everybody say stewardship, who will give you that which is your own? So what Jesus does is he debunks the idea that if we just had a little bit more money, then we would be more generous. Jesus says that what you do with a little, you will do with a lot. It's not how much we have that matters, but whose it is that matters. If we belong to God, then so does our money. Okay, I'm going to try it again. If we belong to God, then so does our money. Man, I'm excited to be a part of this community. I'll tell you what. I'm dead serious about that because I feel like if we got radical about this, man, my God, what could we do? It seems, it seems easy enough to identify mammon, right? You know, money worship. But mammon has some sneaky friends. And I want to talk, before I leave you today, I want to talk to you about mammon's sneaky friends. And mammon's sneaky friends are the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So what a spirit of poverty does, see, if you give, you're going to be blessed, right? But what a spirit of poverty does is it goes after making you ashamed of the blessing. The devil can't stop the blessing, but he sure can try and make you feel ashamed of having the blessing. A spirit of pride says, on the other hand, um, spirit of pride says, well, I've earned it. It's my hard work, my ingenuity, and my talent has made this happen for me. You know, let me see. But a a a spirit of poverty says, I don't deserve it. You guys with me? So these spirits, they work from opposite ends, but they both have the same root. And their work is to get our focus off of God and onto stuff. And they work to get us centered on blessings rather than the blesser. That's what both pride and poverty does. Pride says that riches come from hard work alone, while poverty says that riches come from the devil. 
Pride tries to make people think that we paid more for things than we did, while poverty wants people to think that we paid less. <laughs> poverty feels the need to justify purchases and possessions because it sees blessings as evil. Poverty says, I can't let you think that I spent much money on this because that would mean I'm not very spiritual. It's amazing how so many of God's people feel as though they have to explain away the presence of anything good or nice in their lives. Man, I hope this is ministering to you. Pride says, I deserve more. Well, poverty says, I should feel guilty about this. But then on the other hand, gratitude, which is the attitude of thankfulness that acknowledges God's provision, says, thank you. When somebody compliments your home, pride says, yeah, well, we're going to build a bigger one. Poverty says, yeah, it's just a foreclosure. But gratitude says, thank you. God has surely blessed us. When someone compliments your clothes, pride says, yeah, it's tailor-made. Poverty says, I half price, sale rack. Gratitude says, thank you. When someone compliments your car, pride says, yeah, I got three more. Poverty says, just a company car. Gratitude says, thank you very much. Pride wants people to think that we paid more, while poverty wants people to think that we paid less. Gratitude, on the other hand, doesn't care what people think. It cares what God thinks. And so we're just honest, and we just tell the truth, and we're gracious. When someone compliments you on something that you steward, tell the truth and, and be grateful. Pride and, pride and poverty both, they lead to comparison. Pride causes us to compare ourselves with other people, while poverty causes us to compare others with ourselves. When someone pulls up next to you in a nice car, pride says, mine's better. Poverty says, that guy's probably a crook. What a waste. What a waste. That money could have been given somewhere good. What's he got that for? He doesn't need that. <laughs> pride says I earned it poverty says I just don't deserve it G gratitude says I received it by grace <laughs> do not fall into this trap instead consider what we've done for God nothing and what God's done for us everything and that's easy to be gracious and say thank you God You know what's funny is I had a dream last night in the middle of the night. I was, I was preaching that line right there. Dead serious. I was preaching, I was preaching that line, that exact thing. I could, I could see it in my dream. I was preaching it. Consider what God has done for us, everything. Consider what we've done for God, nothing. It's easy to be gracious and say thanks when you consider that. You guys, I completely believe that God wants to talk to us about money. But mammon wants to talk to us too. Every time we're praying about giving sacrificially to our local church or to a ministry, 
Mammon is there whispering to us. Don't do that. That's not wisdom. Is that smart? That's not smart. The money is not the point. The giving is the point. Because when we give, we experience the joy of giving. And guys, you want to know what really hashtag blessed is? It's when we step into obedience to Jesus and we experience the true joy of giving. Being blessed is, is the emotion, is the feeling, is the experience that we have when we give when led by the Spirit. If you want to if you want to know what it's like to be truly blessed, follow God and give. And you will experience what God really considers blessing. If you've ever blessed someone with an offering, you know this joy. And this is the power that comes from obedience to God. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is a lay-down-your-life challenge. So what I want to do tonight is I actually, I actually want to just pray, okay? So you, you guys good with all that, that I just backed up a dump truck and just unloaded it on you? Okay? Um, I, here's my goal, Okay? So I've been, I've been pouring over this stuff in the Word. I've been reading books about this stuff. I've been praying about this stuff. Been think, I've been dreaming about it, obviously. And I really, I really, just, I really just feel like there's something on it when, when the Bible tells us that we're, that we're kings and priests. Because I think there's a lot of Christians out there that, you know, they don't live like kings. They live like slaves. And they don't live like priests. They live like orphans. They fight, and they claw, and they worry, and they're anxious, and they're sick, and they're tired, and they can't figure out, you know, why don't, why don't I ever have anything? I really do think that God wants to speak to us about our money. I really do think that God has released timeless truths, principles. I'm not talking about the law. I'm not talking about Old Testament. I'm talking about eternal principles to stewarding. When, when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say that often when it comes to miracles in people's bodies because we know there's no sickness in heaven. But how many of you guys know that there's no poverty in heaven? When we say your kingdom come, I don't think it looks like just healing people's bodies. I think it looks like healing people's bank accounts. If we're going to say your kingdom come, we should be expecting what's in heaven to be here, and that includes finances. The streets are paved in gold. The walls are jasper. The gates are pearl. So what I want to do, guys, I just want to invite you to stand. And we're going to pray a prayer together. And I, I wish I'd have made some slides for this message. I really do because we could do this together. But I just, I really just want to pray this prayer. And, you know, it's an optional prayer. But if you feel like that in any capacity, you're like, man, this this message, there's something to it for me. I feel it. I know it. Lao, I hear you challenging me. I hear God challenging me. Um, you know, I, I want to step into this. So this is what we're going to pray together. And um, just ask you to repeat after me. I think it will be a good prayer. God, forgive me for being selfish, prideful, or covetousness. Or, or covetous. Forgive me for listening to the unholy spirits of mammon 
poverty and pride. Lord, I ask you right now to break them off of me. Break them off of my family. And break them off of my descendants. Help me from this day forward to be a generous, extravagant giver to the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's just, let's just lift up a big hand clap of praise to God. My wife is going to come and dismiss you guys. That message is so powerful. We, like you said, we've been talking about it all week. And I, I, like Lyle, grew up in a family where we were faithful, faithful givers, tithers. And so I always learned the principle of tithing. But we have been radically transformed by the revelation of the offering above the tithe. And so for you here this evening, I love, I love that you guys are here to hear this because I told Lyle, I'm so excited for you to share this because I feel so radically blessed by this. And I know that people are going to be so radically blessed by this. Are you guys, were you guys blessed by that this evening? Just the understanding that Jesus's heart for us is for blessing and increase in our lives. And as we increase, his kingdom increases. And I love that transition between as we sow in our finances, as we sow in our money that God adds to his kingdom. It's just, it's radical. It's wonderful. It's just like Jesus. So this week, as you're finding places to give and to sow, remember that. Like what Lyle did. Hey, God, remind me when I see the fruit of my giving even if it seems like a small seed form, that we wouldn't eat our seeds, that we would sow our seeds well as a family. Because I want us to be not only a radical, generous family that gives um, to God just on Sundays and just in our finances because we think it's a good idea, but I want us to be convinced in our hearts and in our spirit that giving is actually the way of the kingdom. And as you give and as you sow, that you're gonna see an increase here in our family of souls and people knowing Jesus, but like Lyle said, in heaven as we get to meet people face to face that have encountered Jesus, the king of all creation, for the first time because you sowed something. There is nothing more beautiful than that. So I'm going to have the ministry team come up as we dismiss this evening. If you um, have anything that you're dealing with, sickness in your body, um, like Lyle said, sickness in your finances, you're wanting to see breakthrough, we're believing for that here in our family at Legacy. We believe that God is a God of miracles and that he still works today as wonderfully as he did in the book of Acts and all throughout the Bible. So if you're here and you're looking for some breakthrough and you've just been like, God, I just need somebody to partner with me in that breakthrough. We have a ministry team here that's gonna pray with you this evening. And then also, as you guys are leaving, um, we have down at our front connect bar, there's some little cards that say invite on them. Now I want you guys to grab a handful of them. And as you're out and about this week, as you're sowing generously, what a great opportunity to give people an opportunity to come be a part of a family that is generous not only 
with their love and affection, but with their finances as your waiter is radically blessed by your over and above tip. Am I right? All the people who serve, um, give them an invite card. <laughs> tip your server. Um, that's, that's very true. But as you give generously, also give an invite card. Let them know that we love seeing them here and we would love to have them here with us as we worship Jesus together as a family. So if you're going to do that, lift a thumb so I can see it because I want to grab those cards. Yeah, two of you. Grab those cards. They're amazing. But for real. Um, they're the easiest thing because I always forget what our address is here because it's new and it's different. So, um, But yes, I'm going to pray over you guys as you leave. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity that it is to use money as a weapon for plundering hell and populating heaven. Jesus, how hysterical you are in the way that you do things. You never disappoint and you never shy away from the things that are uncomfortable. You approach them with sureness and boldness. So tonight we leave approaching the area of our finances and generosity and giving with boldness and radical giving, and we say that we are going to let you speak to us about our money this week. As we go about our day, as we go about our week, we're going to let you speak to us about our money. Jesus, I thank you for this family. I speak blessing on them as they leave, and lots of connection. Like Lyle said, invite somebody over to your house for dinner this week. We love you. We'll see you um, next week at 4 p.m., like I said, come get prayer. If not, we'll see you next week. Mingle. We love you guys. Blessings on you this evening. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.